Hi guys, it's good to see you. Happy you're here. Hi. Um, it's great to be here at church to celebrate the things that God is doing. Our college program has this, um, this gig gathering of people that happens uh, quite often. And it's a whole bunch of college kids who come together just to talk about things. Um, so it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, there's about 40 people who come and then we open uh, by asking, you know, who has brought a question for the evening? And then, and then people will go around and they'll say, you know, I have a question about this. I have a question about this. I have a question about this. And then the college kids will get to vote, you know, on a question to talk about. And then for the upcoming one hour, we talk about the question that all the college kids, you know, voted to agree to talk on. It's so fun. Like, it's just, you know, you just fly by the seat of your pants the whole time. And, and you, you know, you can just imagine the variety of questions that, that, that come out. And, and the thing is about Catalyst, it, it really is pretty interesting because without fail, um, the questions tend to always revolve around the character of God. Like, like, for instance, you know, if God is holy, then how could bad things happen? You know, if, if God is good, then why was this baby born dead? Or if, if God was good, how'd the whole Old Testament happen? You know, like, you know, if God was, was holy and good and he cared about us, you know, how could, how could I be having such a hard time? Or why did my parents get divorced? Or, or is God for real? You know, if God is who we think he is, and, and then it's so interesting because the, like, of how we will tend to try to answer that question and then we'll come to a good spot. But then the upcoming time, okay, so if God is good, you know, it comes up again. It's like, this is a big, you know, question because, you know, as, as people, we tend to see the earth and our families and our realities and our own stories and the things that are happening. And we hear of, of the things that are going on all over the world. And we have to ask, you know, really, God, you know, if you are good, how does any of this make sense at all, you know? And if, if you are holy, what happened here? Yeah, because whenever your eyes are on the reality of the things that are actually happening, it is a valid question to ask, how could this be if God was holy? You know, if God was holy, how could this really be happening? And people approach us, you know, as Christians all the time and say, you know, if God was good, really? You know? And so, so, so the whole idea of, of God being this God of salvation and God being this God of hope and God being this, this 
God of, you know, he's making all things brand new and it's awesome. And this whole idea of he's calling us to holiness and salvation's at hand. Whenever you look at the things that are actually happening, holiness feels like something heavy, impossible, a fairy tale, because it doesn't seem to fit in whenever our eyes are on the things that are all around us. It just doesn't seem like it fits. But the truth is, is that holiness is not heavy. Holiness isn't a fairy tale. Hope is not a fairy tale. And the truth is, is that God is good. So, there has to be a change in perspective, a change in thinking, a change in how we see things so that we're able to embrace the true holy character of God. In fact, holiness is all about freedom. Holiness brings freedom. And so we're in the sermon series called Holy Freedom. Holy Freedom, Batman. Uh, we're in a sermon series called Holy Freedom because as a church, we believe that to be in Christ is to be free, um, that it is to be bigger than we actually are compared to shrink and to be smaller. We believe that holiness causes us to come alive, compares to put us in a cage and says, here's who you need to be. We believe that holiness is the essence of the calling of God. And it's a really, really beautiful thing. But it's hard to see and it's hard to perceive when our eyes are on the things that are all around us on an everyday basis. So the passage that we are in is Colossians 3. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Colossians 3, please. And it's going to be up here too. And so as a congregation, we're going to say this together. So here we go. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. So Pastor Alan, he already talked about this idea of the heart. And so in the first part of this passage, he talked about putting your heart on the things that are, that, that are above. And, and, you know, that's awesome. And in fact, in the church, we often always talk about giving our heart to God and giving our heart to Christ. And in fact, our heart is his home and he's in my heart. And, and I've given him my heart to symbolize I've given him everything that I have. And there often is this idea, if I give him my heart, I give him the actions too. And, and so in the church, there's this idea of to be holy is to perform in holiness. And so he has my heart and I'm going to be holy and perf perform the, the acts of holiness. I won't drink. I won't smoke. Oak, I won't, I don't know, go on the internet. I, I, there's these holy things, you know? And so we have the actions that it is to be good whenever we give our hearts to God. But the second part of this passage is to give your 
minds to God. Give your minds, set them on things above. Have you ever thought about the actual like cognitive experience of giving your thoughts to God, giving your, how you think to God? Because just like our hearts have to be transformed because our hearts had been human hearts and we give them to God, we put them on things above and then he transforms them into his heart. The same thing happens with our minds, that these are human brains and we think like people, but he says, set them on things above. There's a transformation process. I don't want you to think how you've always think. We think differently here in the kingdom. There's this idea that your brain is important and your thoughts are important, but why? But why? Well, think about it. Think about it. Think about, think about who you are as people and the things that cause you each to be super complex. It's your brains. It's the things that you think about. It's the insecurities that you have, the doubts that you have. It's the things you're prideful of, the things you're excited about, the things that bring you joy, the things that don't bring you joy. It's the, the anxieties, the depression, the, 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 I don't know if he's in to me or not, or, or you know, are things going to be okay in the future? These are all thoughts. And probably like 89% of our problems come from the things that we think about and, and the battles that happen inside of our heads. In fact, whenever you think about the, the, the idea of a spiritual enemy, the spiritual enemy attacks your thoughts. It attacks your thoughts. Like that's the prime battle zone for things to take place. It's in your head and it's very real. How you think is very real and it's important. It's important to God how you think. So many of us will pass over our hearts, but we don't pass over our minds and it tears our bodies in two. Because when our brains are set on the things here and being pulled apart, but our hearts are set up in heaven, it's hard to comprehend what holiness could possibly be since comprehension is something of the mind. So how do you explain holiness? What is holiness? Why is there so much tension around holiness and God and setting our minds on the things of heaven? So, so the Hebrew people have this brilliant concept of holiness. They are obsessed with holiness and they should be. So the Hebrew people have this passage in Deuteronomy 6, Four, that they build their entire faith upon. It's this passage that simply says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. That's it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And before every prayer, they always will go, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Before any public proclamation, They'll say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Before a conversation or dinner talk, before a prayer or an encouragement, they will say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. To us, we go, why? It doesn't really tell you much, you know? But to the Hebrew people, this is the cornerstone of their faith, that God is one. 
God is one. And if you talk to a, a Jewish rabbi, he'll, he'll get teary-eyed just by saying, God is one. God is one. Hero Israel, God is one. Why is this important? Because it's all about holiness, and it answers all of our questions about pain. So the Jewish people would say, God is one, and you are not. That's simple, right? No, they'd say God is one, and one is a whole. It's a, a whole integer. It's a, it's a number that is complete. God is one. Everything else is a fraction, and fractions are not one. Fractions are a part of one. Everything was a part of one. God is one. Everything else is a fraction. And some fractions are bigger, some fractions are smaller, but they're all fractions. God is one. God is whole. God is holy. God is one. Everything else is a fraction of the one. Everything is a fraction. Everything's origin is the one. Everything is shattered from the one. So in the idea of holiness, on Hebrew perspective, they would say everything that is, is a fraction of the one. No matter what happens, whatever is, whatever horrible, whatever broken, it points towards its origin, the one. God is one. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one, the whole, the holy. And so whatever crap you're experiencing, God is one. That points towards the holy. So how do horrible things happen if God is holy? Horrible things happen, and they point to God being holy, because God is one. The Hebrew people celebrate their story of brokenness because it points towards the holiness of God. These are not separate things. The fraction always points towards the origin. The earth always points towards heaven. Heaven is the origin of earth. Earth, the fraction of the whole, points towards heaven. Cool, right? So God is holy. Like, if you follow this, if you're trekking here, and you should be, it's not complicated, that God is holy and you are not, but you point towards God with all the broken fractions of your everyday reality just cries out, God is holy. And whenever you hold fractions in your hand, they all point the same direction. They point upward and they give us the questions of our heart. God, where are you? What are you doing? You know, whenever I see everything that's happening, all the broken fractions, where are you? Hence, this is what Paul is talking about in Colossians 3 when he simply says, Set your minds on the things above and not on the earthly things. Look up at the whole. Look up towards heaven. Look up, look up, look up. Don't focus on the fractions. Don't focus on the fractions. Look upward. Keep your hearts up here. Keep your minds up here. 
You're not your own person anymore. Look up, because when you see the things of of heaven, whenever you see the whole, the desire for it to come crashing down gets bigger and bigger and bigger. This is the reality is, the reality is, is that's how Christ taught us to pray, right? How do we pray? Well, we start out by saying, God, you are holy, then you're, you know, as on earth as it is in heaven. May the things in heaven be as they are here on earth, you know, and vice versa. May heaven crash into earth. And what is the essence of heaven? It is the holiness of God. And what is the holiness of God? It is the wholeness of who he is. And when God is holy on earth as he is in heaven, heaven comes crashing down. There's this potent desire for that in our hearts. But first, we have to recognize the fact that how we think and who we are isn't holy. Um, So, you know, um, God is God and you are not. For some of us, we're like, well, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But it's hard because deep down we think that we actually are and that our brains are so aligned to what God's, you know, brain is doing. And we're on your trekking and our hearts are the same heart. Well, that's our goal, right? Our goal is to be transformed to have the heartbeat of God. Our goal is to be transformed into, you know, thinking the things of God. But you have to own that idea of there's transformation that takes place. And whenever there's transformation of, or growth of any kind, there has to be pain, right? There has to be pain. And so, so if you guys, for instance, you go into the Bible and you agree with everything the Bible says, you're probably not actually experiencing the Bible correctly because the Bible is holy. You are not. And so whenever the Bible says everything that you think it should, the idea could be that you're transforming the Bible instead of the Bible transforming you. And the same thing as far as the character of God. Whenever, you know, God is so explainable and so perfect to you and he does everything that you said, it would probably go to say that you're transforming God instead of him transforming you. And so the whole Christian journey is this idea of transformation, but the goal isn't to transform Christianity The goal is to transform you, right? Uh, You know what I'm saying? Because some of the stuff in the Bible is really hard to swallow. It should be. It's holy. You should choke on it, right? I mean, that's good. It shouldn't be palatable. We need to stop turning the blood of Christ into Kool-Aid so it's easy to drink. You know, I mean, God is one, right? Set your eyes on heaven. What would it be like to actually let the Bible page through our hearts and to explain us compared to us explaining the Bible or having God prove us true? 
<laughs> you know, instead of us trying to prove him true, what would it be like for us to be transformed into holiness, to start the fractions, start being put back together? What would it be like to start to think differently? If you don't think differently than you did before or, or day after day, if your minds are not set on things above, transformation will not take place and you're missing the whole point. I love this more than anything. And so did the Hebrew people. They enjoyed telling the story of God more than anything. And they, and they, they would tell it and they would call it holy. And in Hebrew culture, the term holy, it's, it's, it, 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 so it's pronounced kadosh. Kadosh means holy. And they have this practice that they have uh, called kiddush. Um, and kiddush means to keep holy. And so that they had this practice to keep holy, to keep things holy, um, that they did it before or on the arrival of every Sabbath that was about to take place. So the sun is coming down and the Sabbath is about to happen. And the Hebrew people start to perform this act called Kiddush, to keep holy. And you're able to tie this kind of in to the Ten Commandments whenever it's you know, said to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Um, there actually is a practice that the Hebrew people did to keep it holy, to set it apart. Uh, the, the, holy, uh, the Hebrew people were, were people who just had these hearts of obedience and they enjoyed telling stories, especially the story of God and salvation and hope and the things to come. And, and, and so they had this practice called Kiddush to keep holy and they did it before every Sabbath and they did it before every festival or feast. Day, and it's to set this apart. And the thing that they would do, it's really, really cool. And you've possibly um, heard a variation of this story somewhere else. Um, the head of the household, he would take a glass of wine and he would hold it over his head. And he would take this glass of wine and he would pray over it. And he would say, blessed are you, you God of the it's not coming out, but that isn't the thing that Hebrew people would say. Uh, blessed are you, O God of the universe. Uh, thank you for giving us the grapes of the field to drink. And then he would ask his family, what is it that this wine is? And so in the Hebrew culture, there's answers for everything and they're all correct, right? They see you can toss out anything and they're like, yes, you know? And so the people in the household, they would then begin to share their answers. And then we do this every Friday night. So, so what is this? And then, and then the people in the family would say, oh, it's the, it's the blood on the doorpost that kept us from experiencing Passover. Oh, it's the parting of the sea that got us, you know, from being in slavery into to freedom. Oh, it's the Torah. It's God's 
commandments that he has given us to set us free. Oh, it's the blood of this. You know, and they go on and on and on because he, there's just tons of good answers about how God has set them free over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like, so, so there are hundreds and hundreds of great answers that this is symbolic of. And they've done this for thousands of years. And so then after everyone has given the answer, he would go, yes, take it and drink it. And then he would pass it around. And each person in the family would have have that. And then he would take a, a thing of bread. He would break it, hold it over his head, and he would, he, would, he would pray over it and say, blessed are you, O God of the universe. Um, thank you for giving us the grains of the field to eat. And then he would ask to everyone in his household, what is this? And then they had an answer. You know, it is the, the brokenness of Jericho that fell down whenever God conquered it. Ugh, I don't know why I'm crying, but anyway, it's good. And so it's this, and it's this, and it's, you know, it's, it's the promises of God that he's constantly showed up, and it's, it's this, and it's this. And then at the end, he'd go, yeah, yes, take it and eat it. And they would eat it. And then Sabbath would happen. And Sabbath is all about freedom and enjoying the things of God. But it's all started by telling the story of his wholeness, putting our fractions together. Which brings us to the story of Christ and his disciples and him being the head of his household. And it's, it's, the, it's that time that, that he has found himself in a lot that him and his disciples has had Sabbath together for three years. So the odds are they've done Kiddush a lot. And they've sat at this table a lot. And he's had the chalice a lot. And he's held it over his head. And he's, he thanks God for it. And then he asks the disciples, what is this? And they've had the answers because they've had the answers forever. It's been passed down to them for thousands of years. You know, it's the blood on the doorpost. It's the parting of this. Yes, yes, yes. You know, pass it around. You're right. Good. But th this is his final time. You know, this is his final time to keep it holy. You know, think about the poetry here. This is his final time. And so he takes the chalice, holds it over his head. He blesses it and prays over it. Thank you, God, for this. And then everyone expects him to ask the question again. But for the first time in Jewish history, he doesn't ask the question, he gives the answer. He says, this is my blood. So for a Jewish person in this context, they're hearing he is the blood on the doorpost. He is the parting of the sea. He is all the thousands of answers and the stories of grace and holiness that has been taught to us. He is, he is, and he goes, yes, take and drink. 
And he does the same thing with the bread and he holds it over his head and he breaks it. And he says, you know, instead of, you know, asking the question that everyone has expected him to ask, he gives the answer. This is my broken body for you. All the promises, all the walls of Jericho, all the paths and, you know, that, that the Hebraic people went on, that was my body. And it's broken for you, AKA think differently. Think about me. Get your eyes off of the earthly things. Put your minds and hearts on the things in heaven. Because whenever you put your minds on the things of heaven, you see me. And whenever you see me do what I do, you start to think differently. Transformation takes place. Salvation is at hand. Holiness is here. And it's not heavy. It's freeing. Whenever you see Christ and you see his eyes and you can see so close, that you can, it changes everything. That, that you don't start to ask, what would he think? Because he's transforming your mind to think what he thinks. And so when the journey is hard, you know, you start to remember the fact that salvation is not heavy. The Kool-Aid does not exist. It's blood and it's his and it transforms and it's deep and it's theological and gorgeous and dripping and grace and beauty and passion and love. And it sets us free that you don't have to carry it. You don't have fractions at all anymore because here's how the passage in Colossians ends. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You can't have fractions anymore because you're not here anymore. You can't, you can't have your own thoughts anymore because you don't have thoughts anymore. This is the transformational process. You are rising again in Christ. Oh God, teach me to think how you think. Transform my heart to beat how your heart beats because I am not holy. I don't think your things. Take me on this journey through the valley of the shadow of death so that I can pop up in the other side of glory. Teach me. What would it be like to have our minds on the things of God instead of the things down here? What would it be like to see the things that Jesus is doing firsthand? Like for, for me, like part of this is like, yeah, I can almost like, like, picture him like the whole time saying, I know it's hard. Just keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Don't, it's scary down there. You know, like, don't look up here. You know, look here. You know, and he's like holding our hands, like, don't look down. Don't look down. You got this. You know, hey, we're in this together. Do you see what I'm doing? Yes. We see what we're doing. Are you on me? You see me? See me. Don't look down. Don't look down. Don't look down. And then whenever that trust and that faith and like, oh my gosh, I see the things of heaven. 
I see what they are and not what they're going to be. I see them. Then he says, okay, look down. Look down. And then he goes, it's pretty broken up. See all those fractions? And your heart breaks how his heart breaks. And your mind, instead of going, man, how can God be holy? It starts to say, God is holy. Just watch him put the fractions back together. God is holy. Just watch him put the fractions back together. What would it be like for our hearts and our minds to be so transformed in the reality of Christ that we do not respond to pain and fear and doubt, but instead we respond by simply proclaiming over and over, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And may it bring you to tears because we think differently than everybody else. Please pray with me. Oh God, you are holy. You are one. You are the whole. We love you. We love the story that you have invited us into, a story of transformation, a story of grace, a story of hope, and a story where you are active. We thank you that you are an active God. And that you care about our thoughts and our anxieties and our depressions and our hardships and our hurting. And you're there. God, we open up our stories to you and we ask you, teach us to think different. God, show us the glory in the fractions Teach us how to think about your body and your blood. Teach us to think about the truth of salvation in your heart for us. Because if you would have thought how, how I think, salvation would never have happened. But teach us to think the vocabulary and heartbeat of salvation. God, you are God and we are not. You are holy and we are not. Lord, may heaven come down. May your kingdom be here. May we see the truth of who you are instead of trying to create it. In Christ we pray, amen. Um, so we have the opportunity to Day to participate in um, the practice of communion. Uh, communion is very similar to Kaddish, uh, to keep it holy. It's, it's the bread, it is the grape juice, it is the body, it is the blood, it is the proclamation of Jesus' cares. It's the proclamation of brokenness. It's the proclamation of I believe in salvation and the sacrifice of Christ. And I believe in hope because my hope points towards heaven and his kingdom. 
So during this upcoming song, you all are invited to come up and participate. Um, So all you need to do is you take a piece of bread and you dip it in the juice and then you eat it. Um, At that point, you and your heart are physically proclaiming that your mind is set on the things above. It's this this thing that's happening. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking bigger. I'm thinking on holy things. I'm thinking on the image of God, the heartbeat of God. Yes. Um, So I want to invite you all to stand up as the first song begins, and then you are invited to come up because Christ has prepared a table for you.